Welcome back to the Startup Showdown podcast, where we discuss pitching, funding, and scaling startups. Join us as we interview winners, mentors, and judges of the monthly $120,000 pitch competition powered by Panoramic Ventures. We also discuss the latest updates in software, Web3, healthcare tech, fintech, and more. Now sit tight as we interview this week's guest and their journey through entrepreneurship. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Startup Showdown, and this is going to be a fun one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Panoramic Ventures. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Startup Showdown, we have Quest Moffitt with Kadogo. Welcome, Quest. Hey, how's it going? It is going great. Uh, but before we get too far into things, tell us about Kadogo. How are you serving folks? Well, Kadogo is a online platform that allows you to give others money away while saving on your taxes. And how it works is we are a dual-sided marketplace that connects everyday employees of companies that offer matching funds with an easier way to obtain money to activate those matching funds because over 27 million employees lack the funds because either they don't know about this program or just because they're broke to be able to activate their corporate funding. So we work with multiple restaurants and or service-based businesses across the nation that offer cashback rewards for charitable contributions. So our platform allows you to shop at a series of merchants, earn cashback rewards, and then your employer has the option to double or triple whatever their rules are for their company. And we pass all of that money and information along to nonprofits. And uh, that's something that a lot of folks maybe don't realize that their company has matching funds, um, but they're not taking advantage of it. And a lot of that uh, is kind of just, it's a wasted opportunity, right? Like there's so much funds available for these types of donations, but the employees aren't kind of taking advantage of it. Yeah. And it's, it's a multitude of things. It's on one side, it's, um, because the employees aren't taking advantage of it. On the other side, over 70% of businesses, they just don't have the actual vehicle to make it easy for them to release the money that they have stored away for charitable contributions. It's very administratively burdensome. Imagine if you had 200 employees that all of a sudden wanted to donate money to a host of different nonprofits, according to your plan. Someone has to verify each nonprofit send a letter to each one of them to make sure they're still in business, get some information from them, send all that information over to whoever runs accounts payable, or probably that's the same person. Um, and then send all of these um, donations downstream. It's not like all 100 employees had the same exact nonprofit that they were about to donate to. Everyone cares about something different from animals, the forest to women's um, rights to STEM education. And so we made it easy to do it through one platform for the business to allow their employees or their customers to give the money away on behalf of them. Now, what was the genesis of the idea? How did you kind of uh, stumble upon this problem to solve? And I used to be in the nonprofit world um, on, on both sides. I've worked for large organizations, um, big nonprofits, and I've worked for my own personal nonprofit. And when I was running my own personal nonprofit for the first time coming out of the for-profit world, 
um, to support early stage entrepreneurs and raising money, rapidly validating a business. Thought it was a great idea. And to the point where we got early stage funding, but it was programming dollars. And I did not understand the difference between programming dollars and the operations dollars. I thought we could use programming dollars to also keep the operations of the business going of this nonprofit, as well as paying for the people, my salary, plus other things found out you can't do that. Um, we redid the whole entire program again, but we were doing it the proper way where you're using the program dollars to run the program and not the operations of the company. And that leaves a big void as you can quickly run through your head. Everyone else in the company is getting paid, but quest. And I saw that, Hey, there's Patreon out there. You can do that, but that's not really geared towards a nonprofit leader. I knew I had an email list of a lot of donors and a lot of them were my friends. So I was in a restaurant one day and I was just flipping through and on the back of the brochure at Panda Express and also on the wall that just has a nice big old poster that says, hey, we'll donate 20% of every transaction to a nonprofit. And it got me thinking, how many other restaurants do this? Now, there's some other people out here that have tried. The downside is, is you still have to like schedule this stuff. Um, you have to like manually schedule each restaurant or each business and then coordinate with your friends and family and all of your donors to send them there. So it's kind of hard to like organize more than one of these restaurants at a time. And so that's when I got my programming mind on. I was at a large conference and I saw the exact same thing. I saw a very large nonprofit with over 10,000 people at a conference try and do this. It was an administrative nightmare. So that's how I came up with it. I saw two I experienced it. I experienced it at a very large nonprofit that I worked for. And so we came up with this idea, my co-founder and I, to where, what if you could integrate with open banking technology, you could integrate with the payment rails of your debit card or your credit card. So Visa, MasterCard, and Amex would have to be on board. And if you could somehow see the transactions or integrate at like a point of sale system and operate like all of the loyalty rewards applications that we're used to today, but except put a spin on it and make it charitable. Now, yeah, go ahead. now um, there's a, obviously the, this is complex. It, it involves individuals. It involves these restaurants. It involves the nonprofits. So walk me through what the experience is like for an individual, like say, Hey, I'm, I'm in, this sounds great. I want to do this. So, so how does it work for me? How easy is it for me to kind of plug into this marketplace and aim my dollars in the direction I want them to go in? Three steps, download the app, register your debit card. So we only need the 16 digits of your debit card and the expiration date. That's it. No other personal information from there you select up to five nonprofits that you would like your rewards to go to. And then if you are a power user, you can look at the restaurants and the businesses that are in there. If you don't care, we just send you a text message and let you know that you have gone to one of our many affiliate restaurants or businesses and you just earned $3. We keep it moving. So and and then the money on. just gets divided up evenly amongst the yep money just gets divided up evenly and automatically donated downstream you receive a tax receipt at the end of the year for your donations and then from the non-profit standpoint is this something that um the nonprofit has to sign up with or are you partnering with 
places that already vet nonprofits? Yeah, so we're doing it twofold. So we utilize, of course, the IRS database, and we're looking for that good standing letter that the IRS looks at for all nonprofits. On the other side, we partner up with community organizations like foundations or community groups that have a bucket of nonprofits under them that are doing the good work of the community um, that are very close. And so nonprofits have the option of either, if they know about Kadogo, they sign up. We either reach out to them, but here in the next couple of weeks, we would have all 1.65, 1.7 um, million registered nonprofits that includes universities, churches, schools that are all in there, organized, geolocated closest to you. So you can find the nonprofits that are in your community that are on the ground doing the work so you can give the money to them. And then from the um, enterprise level, you're partnering with the enterprise level companies that are doing matching so that, um, you know, we can take advantage of that as well. Yeah. So we go after companies that have already a matching program where they do some type of charitable contributions or donations locally in the community. You can spot it super easy off of Google or on their website. Um, We primarily go after companies that organize massive gift days. Um, Give days is a single day or a week um, where they get all of their employees together to donate simultaneously on one day over a specified period of hours. Um, Those, like I said, those are very complex to run when you have multiple parties in place. Um, We charge them starting off at $450 um, and a dollar a month. Um, And then it just goes up from there, caps out at around $1,500 a month. Um, it does give them a little bit more power. Um, these these giving accounts, the ones that are for the employers that are on these premium plans, allows them to donate in an alternate way. So not only can they fill up their wallet in an easier way by shopping in the community, that's fun. The next level of it is these wallets allow them to donate securities. So a lot of these employees have stock. They are having capital gains or they are, if their companies are doing well, like they're supposed to, the stock is increasing in value. But Uncle Sam comes knocking on your door once a year, wanting that money on that capital gains. They could take the capital gains and actually donate it to any nonprofit that they want. So a lot of nonprofits are not equipped to receive stock or anything within the Web3 space. There are a couple of us on this frontier that are enabling nonprofits to receive crypto and or anything within that Web3. And we wanted to allow those nonprofits that, one, they don't have an administrative staff. Most likely, they don't even know about this. And if someone said, hey, I want to give you some Ethereum or a Bitcoin or a a Doge or, hey, here's a a Nifty that I want to give you, a lot of nonprofits don't know what to do with it, let alone if you said, hey, I have five shares of Tesla that I would like to donate to you. That's something that foundations have traditionally handled for the nonprofit. So nonprofits usually go to a foundation and set up an account, and then the foundation receives that. Uh, I think you need to have a little bit more choice and control because, Lee, if I came to you, do you want me to automatically liquidate all five Tesla shares and then give you the cash? Or would you like to hold on to a couple of those Tesla shares and make the choice to liquidate it or keep it? So now, yeah, right. So um, the, you're talking about a donor advised fund at this point. 
Yeah. So every Kadogo giving account, you know a little bit about my industry. So every giving account that we issue is a donor advice fund. Instead of setting them up in two to six months, it takes five to 15 minutes to deploy one of these per a company and per employee. Everyone on our platform gets their own donor advice fund. Um, and it allows you to do a multitude of things, but we're keeping it very simple for everyone right now. And that's not um, typical, right? Like a donor advised fund was typically for uh, wealthy folks. Yeah, and there's yeah, it's typically for ultra rich and wealthy folks to be able to change their adjusted gross income by making a direct donation to their donor advised fund, and but still having control of the money rather than giving it to a foundation and losing control. So these donor advised funds allow you to invest into private equity if you still have control of it, or you can go and put real estate under it. The whole intent is to grow the money that is in the account, get the tax optimization benefit of the immediate year. Maybe I sold some real estate and I spiked my income, so I want to donate it so I can get that immediate taxable benefit. Um, We're going to allow, I want everyone to be able to have one of these. I believe not just the rich and the ultra wealthy should be able to have one. I believe the person that's making $25,000 up to $150,000, call it dual income households. The most amount of people that pay the most amount of taxes. If everyone, if special people have the ability to be able to adjust their taxable income while still being charitable and having an impact on their community, why shouldn't everyone be able to have access to that? So you do it already with your 401k or your IRA, your HSA. Let's be very charitable with the with the donor advised fund side. So how did you um pull this off in terms of, you know, kind of before I would think that people who wanted to do this, there was some sort of a minimum amount and that is burdensome for regular folks. How did you kind of get around having that kind of minimum investment amount? I'm not interested. Okay, well, uh, let me rephrase that. Um, It's not our first business line of making profit. There are many other ways of making profit and revenue, which is why we have a, a, a SaaS plan, um, which is why we have a SaaS plan, a, a monthly subscription for individuals or the company. Uh, we didn't want to be focused on that asset under management fee where it was, oh, well, we've talked to a lot of wealth management or financial advisors where they can't focus on the person below a million dollars, let alone a person at $150,000 three years in at Boeing or Qualcomm, super talented, 27-year-old to 30-year-old, they're not approaching them. That's what Wealthfront was for, but Wealthfront just got purchased um, for that reason. And so I believe that you, how we pulled it off was, like you said, it's complex, is that there's all of the revolving pieces of a proper donor advised fund, starting off with you need the nonprofit status. So there is Kadogo Gibbs. That's the 501c3. Behind that, you have a brokerage. Um, so we have a brokerage partnership. Behind that, then you have the our for-profit that owns all the technology. And that allows for you to achieve your taxable benefit allows for you to get your taxable immediate donation. It allows for that entity to transfer the funds on the platform to other nonprofits that are within the ecosystem. And then that allows for the nonprofits to 
now receive their funds in a multitude of ways or divest their funds in a multitude of ways to grow their cash-based investments. So now when you started this, did you try to bootstrap this at the beginning or were you always looking for funding and and looking for, um, you know, kind of venture help in this? I bootstrapped as much as possible um, because I knew that if we took on early capital, we were going to give up a chunk of the company. I did, since I did run a startup studio and a venture builder at a a Rolodex of investors. So I I circulated um, through my close network and took some very good advice from some investor friends that if I can bootstrap it and get this to a certain stage, get some customers on the platform, get some early stage traction, that this would be a a lot easier. We still operate within the charitable space, but we don't operate in the charitable space. We try and as you all know, it's it's hard to raise money within the with doing anything for nonprofits. They're a hard sell, um, but we're in the enterprise side um, of that operation. And when I started this, I think we would, I guess, be here <laughs> to that point. So, how did you hear about the startup showdown? I went through. Uh, so I started off um, after that bootstrapping moment. We went through a another call it like a a venture builder startup studio early stage we went through a a generator in motion startup studio out in lincoln nebraska uh, mainly because of their financial background uh, in the in the city Uh, very financially connected that financial uh, that journey through the studio was the the first set of call it early little legs where we built our little uh our beachhead and through that I heard about startup showdown through them um, by talking to they run. I was running through five to 10 investors a day with generator. Um, And one of the investors was like, Hey, you should really go through startup showdown. She threw the link over. She sent it again through the email um, and uh, even sent it to me through uh, Twitter of you need to apply. Um, even stated that even if you don't win, that it would be a, a great form of just general advertising and people just knowing about your um, business. So what was the most beneficial part of going through the process? I'd say the most beneficial part is it's just always nice to be able to speak with uh individuals that know a little bit about the industry. Um, Like you mentioned, you picked up on donor advice funds. Not a lot of people know about it. And so to have someone be able to pick it apart um, and then offer ways to make it a little bit palatable and more understandable um, is a great benefit um, at any any point. Um, So also they, uh, there's a little bit more of how to streamline the message um, so it doesn't become overly complicated as we keep peeling back the onion. Now, have you had a mentor or um, maybe another startup founder that has been inspirational to you during this journey? During this journey, I mean, I have my, my co-founder, um, Alejandro, he's my CTO. Um, we had another co-founder, she died. And that was our, uh, that was my mentor inspiration piece. 
Um, she had all the licenses, your series six, seven, and 24 was the registered broker. Outside of this now is, her name's Annie. Annie has been, um, she's actually out in Lincoln. Annie has been one of our, or Annie Crimmins, um, has been one of our, probably that individual that I can randomly call at 10, 11 o'clock at night um, or early in the morning. I think the, the last time we spoke, she was on her way to Target and I needed help with a piece of my, uh, of my pitch, but I was just, you know, just typical founder stuff. You know, you're just going through the typical woes up and downs. And I realized after I looked down, we've been on the phone for like an hour and 50 minutes. And at the end of it, she was like, well, I'm going to go to Target. And I mean, you have mentors and you have advisors, and then you have like mentors that turn into friends. Um, and I would say that's, that's been Annie is just a good person that has like a deep wealth of knowledge of experience that when we first met, I didn't know that she knew what all the donor advice fund stuff was or the foundations or the nonprofits. It was as we peeled back the onion and gained trust and start to really learn about each other, you just start to know. And on the other side, I mean, there are some other mentors and advisors that thanks to Sputnik um, ATX and being a part of their program now, um, another accelerator here in Austin, is you just serendipity meet mentor or people that end up being your mentor or being your advisor without you really asking for it. And they end up asking you to be your mentor or advisor. So we've, we've started to run in, I've started to run into some of those. So I'm, I'm working on being a little bit more open. A lot of founders are very closed off and protective. And specifically after I lost my co-founder, I became very closed because it was hard to deal with loss and grief and all that fun stuff that goes with it. But got a wealth of mentors and advisors around me now that, that keep me moving forward. Now, do you have any advice for other startup founders who are working in this space? Because as you mentioned, this is a, a difficult space to be starting new ventures in. Yeah, I, I call it if you're sitting in a frontier space where there are minimum people doing it, or when you explain it, even the licensed and regulated people, I'm talking about the wealth advisors and the financial advisors don't even know what the hell you're talking about. You know you're in a, in a space. Even if you don't think you need the licensed mentor and advisor in the space, grab that licensed individual. So my advice is always keep experts and professionals that have been there and done it with 20 years of knowledge on you um, because it can help you cut through a lot of stuff way faster and easier. I learned about a section of the wealth market that I had no idea existed because of legal laws of what happens with IRAs after a certain time frame if you don't need it. Um, later conversation, but I wouldn't have known that if this financial wealth advisor was not my advisor, um, not from that side, but from a company standpoint, it's been in the game for 18 years. There's going to be some things that I cannot learn on Google or classes or talking to people that he knows. There's another woman that's one of our advisors that we're explaining with that she's been in the world for 40 years on the legal side. 
So legal, banking, finance, those are people that you want to have around you because their network supersedes yours. And when you're in my industry, I can go and build the coolest technology. We can automate all of this. Who, who cares? If you do not have the trust, and I'm 35, so I have some trust, but I have a lot of more earning of trust to get to. Your mentors and advisors and the people that are closest to you have the trust of their network and circle that are either going to be your first investors or they're going to be your first customers. So I advise everyone to find people around them that are 15 years minimum, but really 20 years older than them to be on their team of advisors and mentors. So what's your superpower that gives you a competitive advantage? I've earned the fun title of the digital mercenary. I can can understand very, very complex things from you can tell me A to Z and then Z to 100 and I can figure out the items in between. Um, I never thought I would have to figure out how to set up and create a brokerage partnership, um, let alone all of the things that go into a brokerage and the legal regulation side of it. It's not my industry. But I believe as being an entrepreneur, you have to be almost a master of none, but be able to read something about five to 15 minutes and be able to jump into that conversation with the professionals to learn more. Um, I would say that probably comes from my cybersecurity background. Um, I self-taught my way into coding. Um, I just love to learn. So my superpower is just being curious. I think that's what every person in the investor space wants to see is I know when to stop at the end of the rabbit hole and back out, but I know how to be curious enough to venture into it. And I believe that's the the downside of a lot of entrepreneurs, not curious enough. And what do you need more of? How can we help? Right now I am seeking to find that, that, that special person to be a part of our company that happens to have some of these licenses. Um, that we're looking to get connected deeper into the financial advisor and wealth advisor market um, to start making those connections so we can easily navigate. Um, we know we are doing something in a dual-sided marketplace, um, but now that we have built out the customer segment side, um, this world does operate off of strategic partnerships. So that's my ask is to get deep into that side. So what is, uh, if somebody wants to learn more, what's the coordinates for Kadogo? You can go to kadogo.co. That's K-A-D-O-G-O.co. We are Kadogo Gives on all networks. Um, So we're on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, We suggest our website is the best place to go to learn any of the information of how to get involved and look forward to speaking with anyone and everyone. All right. Well, Quest, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you. And thanks for knowing a little bit about donor advised funds. It's always exciting to talk to someone else to understand the game. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on startup showdown. 
As always, thanks for joining us and don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Startup Showdown podcast so you get the latest episode as it drops wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more and apply to our next Startup Showdown pitch competition, visit showdown.vc. That's showdown.vc. All right, that's all for this week. Goodbye for now. 